You're listening to the Unreasonable Fridays Podcast Network. Go ahead, stand up, stand up, stand up. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of ADD Space. I'm your host, Aaron Rand Freeman, but with me, the actual host, the real host, the owner-proprietor, the CEO, the CFO, uh, lead therapist, head of HR, lead designer, um, chief brand officer, head custodian, and public relations lead, Elise Bacon. Bacon, how are you? There were two new titles. Congratulations, <laughs> Bacon. We received no. your application for public relations lead. And you and it was very intense. Few rounds. I didn't And apply. you got and you did. And you got the job. Congratulations. Elise Bacon, congratulations. How are you? Tell us about how you feel about again moving upward in the unreasonable Friday's corporate ladder. How do you feel? Feel like I need to put into something with the EEOC. That would be your department. So um I believe <laughs> the I believe you have your own email and um good luck with that. We're all happy to have you here at Unreasonable happy to have you. But haven't I been here? Not only have you been here, but we have guests. We have a guest. All right, we have guests. First off third member of our trio's tag team here of his own volition in no way in no way hoodwinked there's no tricks no 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 chicanery nothing completely here because he wants to be here and talk the shit uh justin justin hello the men in hello kitty masks are telling me to read the card so i'm reading the card hello I am here of my own volition. <laughs> I am here because I want to be, not as a result of any mischief or chicanery, shenanigans. Lala nanigans. Lala nanigans. The um, um, those men have bought you everything. Bought you what you wanted for lunch and dinner, <laughs> and um, I think it's important that we respect their contributions to your completely will willful uh, appearance on the show today. Um, thank those men. And thank you, Justin. Um, we also have, let me check my notes here, because this list is long. Okay, here we go. Okay. We've got designer, artist, game developer, and original, original friend, original friend of the show. Like, my fucking friend! Artie, my original friend. I didn't even know that you two were friends before. He lived ten minutes away from me when I was in Brooklyn. Wow. I didn't know that. Yes, original friend of the show. <laughs> my nigga, mine. <laughs> okay. Artie, sir, one of, welcome to the program. You were my first like OG Twitter friends. Right, years before that. I didn't even. I, I remember, found out remember he how we became Twitter friends. Me. I didn't know you. Yes, you did. No. Yes. I was friends with him before I became friends with you. The focus is on Never original mind. nigga, RD. Oh, okay. Ground floor, foundational nigga. 
RD. How are you? Wow, man. Thanks for having me. And first off, I just want to uh, congratulate Bacon on their new position. No. Like, bravo. Well done. Just don't forget to send the elevator back down. And <laughs> no elevator listen, here. He Listen, can't afford elevators. It's a, it's a it's a classic storefront, not unlike an old saloon and or general store. So, are you asking Bacon to leave the left door open? Then sure, no problem. Well, we right. don't even have a storefront. If you want us to have a storefront, please. There is a storefront. It's not necessarily <laughs> our storefront, but that still counts, Bacon. You can go uh, after you're you done. If you like for us to have our own storefront, please subscribe to our patreon so that we can give our employees me and Najela more than a 0.3 percent raise so i mean if you really need one i know a guy who knows a guy but that's neither here nor there more to aaron's point yes more to OG. my point subscribe oh. to the patreon continue <laughs> og like uh aaron just dropped the deepest lore so I'll just uh, help everybody a little bit. We have been friends for a rather long time at this point. Right. And we did used to live 10 minutes from each other. Right. It was re- legit, legit. Like, you know, I'm, I'm straight out of Brownsville. Shout out to Brownsville. And Aaron was Bushwick. that far away from Brownsville. There you no, go. I'm Bushwick. Bushwick. I'm walking, walking. <laughs> uh, I yeah. lived, you lived in the nexus of the universe. That weird, I forgot the name of the transfer point from the L to the thrill. You had to get out of the train, walk. Crossbone, baby. Walk. Genius and Livonia. Yes. <laughs> you had to get out and walk to the other train station. So it was a transfer if you had the juice, you see. If you had it in you. That ten that five minute walk counted as a transfer. They were not gonna connect those train stations in any way, shape, form, or oh, fashion. Oh, oh, okay. We're gonna get some live reactions here. Aaron, what? you haven't lived there in a while. Nah, it's been like six years, my friend. Well, I will have you know. There's a transfer point there now. Transfer point where? <laughs> they From built, Juniors to Livonia. They built for one? Free. Is it like what is it? Is it like is it like tra- is it like an automatic transfer or is it like an actual like transfer where you walk from one train station to the next? Hell no, they ain't build one. Oh, it's a walking transfer. Oh, okay. I was about to say, okay, that's <laughs> fair. Okay, because I think I remember that was the case. But I mean, like the actual like you can see one train station, but you yep. got to get out of the other one and sometimes run your black ass to that train because you can see it all happening in real time. You see it get you see the doors to the doors of one train. You're like, I got to make this powerful move. To catch that train. And then you just, Listen. it's like a quick time, but you just pumping the A button. Just pumping that A button. It's trial so deep, it would make Ubisoft jealous. Like, for real, you go from one train station to another, and you're putting your life into your own hands by traversing the projects in between these Bro, two stations. I swear to God. I'm like, oh, this but, is what, I got, sometimes I got, I used, to, I used to make that transfer. I was like, man, this is what white people are worried about. God damn. Well, now they made the transfer. A thing because white people are moving there now. So wait, hey. what? Yeah, they've gone way past Broadway Junction, bro. That's crazy. I always assume that's when the, that's when they would have to nuke the city, like Raccoon City. That's a, a certain point. There's a certain point in zombie penetration where you have to nuke the city. And I always thought East New York Brownsville was the point because at some point you start meeting active resistance from the city of Brooklyn, <laughs> and, and that's where I feel like that's where you start meeting active pockets of resistance somewhere in there 
Somewhere Whoa. between East New York, Brownsville, and Canarsie is where you would meet. Active pockets uh, of resistance. I think if they got to drop the bomb anywhere now, it's going to be Bushwick. Oh, yeah, no, that, 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 my, my own. Listen, the last time I was there, which was three or four years before, like, there was big pandemic bump. There was a whole ass segregated, like, bar across the street that just managed to draw. And that's the thing about gentrified Brooklyn, and this is the last I'll say about it. It manages to draw, the, like, some of these places draw the white people. You didn't know were there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden there's this, like, whites-only bar. And everyone on my block is like, did you know these white people lived here? And we're all like, no, we did not. Ooh, the, the beer garden brings them out. It draws. If you build it, it will come. All right. And with that said, we have an actual <laughs> program, not about the city of New York, not about the great, the great colony of Brooklyn. Um, what once was, what is, what remains. We have a show. It's about several things. We uh, have a show. We do have a program. Um, first off, I have a thing that I want to ask. But first, we're going to hand it to Bacon to see what does this note say here. Here we go. Okay, so I've been personally watching you play the most lukewarm RPG of all time. <laughs> um, and I, I have never seen... And this is the thing. And, I've always, and I was saying this to Bacon. There is something to be said for a game that's really good. And there's something to be said for a game that's really bad. Because they both generate... Face, face, facial responses, emotional responses. But watching Bacon's face unflinching outside of like responding to the chat for two, three, four hour streams playing this game, Astria Ascending. Um, I now, I, I, I'm now here for the lukewarm update, the six out of 10 report. Please, Bacon, <laughs> go. Six is too generous. Like a six is a positive. If you Ew. want a, if you want a straight lukewarm, we're on a five. No, we're we're yeah. at a we're. It's not even in the zeros. Like we are. It is there. There's a there's a no. Like I I'm about twelve plus hours in, and I still don't know how I feel about this game. <laughs> we know that's what that's <laughs> the best part about your stream, the Twitch.com Baconzilla, is that is that we um. Is that nobody? Un- no, you are having no reaction to it for hours at a time. We're not too sure what's going on. You're not too sure what's going on. The game is very awkward in design and narrative. I like. I genuinely like. I am trying so hard to figure out what the narrative is about. Like, I can't. It is. I'm like. I'm like, did I miss something? I'm like trying to wrap my head around this fucking narrative, and like, I'm. I'm. Like, I know it's bad because Artisan Studios keeps hitting like on my... And it's not like on every post. That's how I know it's not a bot. Um, Every time I'm streaming the game, like, they're the only like I get on that. Um, And like I said, it's not for every single one of them. Because if it it was, that's clearly the sign of a bot. Um, This is a social media manager looking for anything positive happening. Oh. Um, but, like, I, I'm having such a hard time trying to figure out what, what this story is. Like, it takes place in this place called Harmony, like, Harmonia or something. Or at least, like, the city is called Harmonia, where the starting city, the world has a different name. There's, like, all these different races that clearly all have, like, extensive back history with each other that I don't, I have no idea what it is. Like, I only kind of figure it out a little bit and come, like listening to the characters like have 
weird awkward fantasy racism banter at each other um that i don't i like i don't quite understand um and there's like a goddess who oversees the city there's this thing called the harmony like everybody talks about it like it's kind of like an energy it's just called the harmony and everybody who participates in the harmony eats this fruit called harmelons and it allows them to i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't know what it is <laughs> I, I, harmelons it, doesn't it doesn't it allows isn't allows them to not be racist i don't know the game doesn't tell me i mean that, i don't know i don't know what harmelons are that was my harmelon sounds like a startup <laughs> i mean that's just, i mean oh that, God, given I the premise Given the premise, that that that's 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 just as good a guess as any. Uh, apparently, yeah, this is a, a, a the 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 claim to fame. The reason why I even noticed it was because game reviews were talking about how unlikable the characters were, um, because the characters are casually racist. Like all these, imagine if like the Avengers took people to, to like one person from multiple countries, and we all talk shit about each other. Like we like the, we had no interest in being friends really or like seriously being friends and we were all just talking the most racist nonsense at each other and they die after three years of service right so we have very little time after they power us up we got to do the thing and we're all being shitty to each other um the white people were like i'm not comfortable with this game's racism or the tone of these characters in which case as a black person i'm like what white folks and now I had to, um, and then I, I was like, I'm going to play it. But then Bacon started streaming it before I got a chance to play it. And then watching Bacon's face while trying to process any of this. And that's the worst thing. Because the white folks were, like, mad. And Bacon felt nothing. And I was like, well, then. I'm just confused. <laughs> <laughs> so. so, like, 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 there's, like, they're, they, like, they're definitely clearly like the races like clearly have like beef with each other so like clearly like i know the point probably like though you know the point that is trying to be made is like not everybody's living in harmony uh, um etc and again like there's a lot of backstory like i know this one race was at war with another race for like ever and the one who was doing the invasion was just like well y'all killed our people too and it's just like, but y'all invaded. <laughs> and then there's like another group, like these little fish people called Pescas. And everybody just talks shit about them. Everybody talks shit about them. And I'm like, why? And I also found out that apparently everybody before the harm villains used to eat them. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like the game just like literally one of the characters goes, we have... Because we were talking to, like, the Pesca King. The King's like, we have the most to benefit from being part of Harmony and eating the Harmelons. If, if you know, we weren't part of Harmony, like, people would go back to eating us. And, I'm, and like, you never touch it again. Like, well, we haven't yet. And I'm like, excuse me? Um, this is horrifying. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I remember Bacon telling me about this. And... I the, what what are they the, the uh, pescas yeah the, I, I, yeah the pescas yeah yeah the pescas I kept getting the name wrong but yeah, I remember they, the first time you told me about this I said I'm on their side right like it, it, it one of the people who's been watching me stream is just like the little kid's been spinning fire like this entire time yes. like the little homies just been right almost the entire time and like it the, like the the little demigod the little pesca is actually a child like he he is a child 
yes. got picked. And so, like, people are just mean to him because he was a kid. Yes. It's one and of those, he's a Pesca. It's one of those narrative things where <laughs> I think where white people try to, um, they try to illuminate problematic interactions with humans and then they fall too deep into it because they're like white people <laughs> so yeah. once they get, once they sit there and they try to you see how racism is you see how you treat the black folks you start punching them you know and then you kind of get into it you know and then you get start fucking the nigger so, sorry 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 hey sorry <laughs> sorry i sorry <laughs> but like so they basically like drop you into this like universe like an already moving universe and which is fine because a lot of games usually do that. But what other games do is that they actually like explain what's going on in like an organic way that actually makes sense. Like I have an easier time understanding the Dark Souls narrative than what's going on than <laughs> in Astria Ascending right now. Like I don't, I don't understand what's happening. Yes. This game sounds like Tales of Detroit Become Human. <laughs> Tales of Detroit. Right. Uh, not wrong um and on a technical level i have encountered some bugs some of them have been really funny i'm not gonna lie like i was um i went and talked to an npc and then my screen went black and i'm like what's happening and then like the words uh generic cs just went across the screen and like plain text literally just the words generic cs and then it um Sent me back to the previous chap beginning of the chapter's cutscene. Like the end of the chapter's cutscene. So, so and then like I was in that area again. So like where I was in an area where I was moving around before and where I had like found that NPC and was talking to them, which was in a completely different zone. I went like backwards and I saw a generic cutscene. Generic. And then went back in time and I'm like, I don't know what just happened. And stuff like that happens often. Uh there's been times where the the um the audio on the boss fights just drops like my attacks make sounds but the but the enemy's attacks just don't make sounds at all uh so that was a very interesting bug and it was it's something that happens every so often we're just like the enemies just there's no sound the map is extremely confusing it makes no sense and they uh it's really hard to explain there's no real way to tell what direction you're going um i think or where a door because like it'll show on the map like there's doors here but it doesn't like the door the door's location where it shows on the map doesn't match the actual location where it is on the map uh we were talking about like in the i think in the discord or something about how bad maps are in games in general oh yeah it, i was talking about it in like one thing i would like to see is like in because people are talking about accessibility. There's a lot of conversation about right. accessibility in video games. And one thing that I'm, I would really like to see is maps that make sense. Right. Like actual, I, I, I just, I really desperately need better made maps because I have a lot of uh, directional issues, which apparently have been exacerbated by the fact that I've had a long-term injury on one side of my body. So my brain doesn't, actually recognize direction the same way that you know a person who hasn't had an injury on one side of their body for a long time period of time because that it'll actually like rewire your brain very weird um and i found that it actually affects my gameplay which is hilarious when direction is involved in brains 
like right. in Final Fantasy 14 right now. Um, there's a lot of the raid. The raid content I've been doing involves a lot of uh, direction, and that's going hilariously. I had to explain to somebody. I'm like, if you see me out of nowhere going in a direction that doesn't make sense, that's what's happening. Because like, I'm like, you just move with the party. My brain's like, no, you go that way instead. I'm like, but okay. So I would like really better done maps so I can figure out where I'm going because it's it, it it's hard enough trying to like make sense with what's happening in the game with what's happening in my brain and being able to actually like look at the map and be like oh I fucked up and I'm over here I need to go over there now but I I, I can't tell mastery ascending I have I can't tell what's up or down and where where it needs to go it it really doesn't make sense a lot of a lot of game maps have become maps and or squiggles um Astria, that one is a that one is blocks and squiggles blocks and squiggles yes and it's like most maps need more directional notation even though it, it it they just do and um yeah that map that one is blocks and squiggles for stri- through and through it's bad by itself if you're good at reading maps and as an accessibility issue it is a fucking nightmare and uh yeah that's the most passionate thing by the way that's the most passionate thing you have to say about the game for the record bacon just for the record Oh, listening. the maps are terrible. The maps are terrible, and here's why. It's an accessibility issue, and then you have a whole thing about that. So the most passionate thing about the game, you feel, is that the maps are bad, which is why we uh, brought you in for the 6 out of 10 report. Um, <laughs> do you have anything to add, Bacon? Uh, I really feel the combat scaling is also really bad. It's, it's really poorly designed. Uh, there's not actually random encounters in the way. So instead of having randomized enemy numbers, they... or multiple groups of enemy numbers there's really only two sets uh of enemies that i've seen and just the basic enemies that you're fighting early on they'll throw things that you're there's no way for you to be prepared for so like one group was just just through a omni stun and you can't do anything when you're stunned and and it's Omni stun affects the entire party, so the entire party is stunned for three turns, and then you die because there's nothing you can do for three turns, and you keep getting stunned. Is that one of those RPGs that need the strategy guide so you can know what's coming because you can't ad lib in any way, shape, form, or fashion? No, because sometimes you can't even move before the enemy does. So even if you had a strategy guide, like I know how to defeat those monsters because I found out they're weak against Earth. Can't use Earth magic when you're stunned. So what are you supposed to do? Load. Load and go. Hope so- that you don't get stunned on the first turn. That that doesn't sound good at all. Right, and like I said, it's not it's not even a hard enemy. It's trash that you fight in the beginning. Oh, that's unpleasant. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. there's also I feel like the MP amount is really low and the MP cost is really high for starting off. So you have a sorcerer, but the sorcerer starts off with like 32 MP and the magic is like 16 I'll MP. Oh, so you get two good goes and you need a glass of water. I got it. Right. And it's only single target magic. And they immediately stick you with enemies who are who don't take physical damage and are only weak against magic damage. And you can only regenerate MP inside of cities, not in dungeons. Okay. 
that sounds not fun at all. Not at right, all. and that's all in the first hour of the game. Yeah, like that part is the first hour of the game with the MP and the uh, weak against, like completely immune against physical damage or resistant against super resistant against physical damage enemies. Oh yeah, that doesn't. I don't. Okay. Right. So it doesn't have very good balancing. And I have no idea what's happening. I don't understand the story. I'm genuinely trying to understand the story. I'm not going to lie to you. It does it doesn't sound white hot. I'm just I'm just going to be real with you here. I'm just going to be real honest like I I I'm sorry. We're, I we're... genuinely thought that I had missed something until you told me that there's whole Reddit forums trying to figure out what the narrative oh, is. Oh yeah, it's utter it's the ge- you've now reached the general consensus is that this game requires one a, se- a Netflix series, at least one season and um a lot of design um a lot of a lot of um design patches because it's de- it's not it's not well done so you've now you're now where everyone else is and now um i know you i understand your um um the journalism lead here at unreasonable fridays and you tell you generally tell me what to do but it's okay if you were to stop playing this for your own sanity and because there are far too many games out at once just leave that out there a lot of games right there luckily i don't have to continue to play it because because it's because it's on game pass and you're black you're free i mean yes but what i was going to say is because uh back for blood or as i'm gonna be old black and call it blood for blood is out on game pass so i'm just gonna move on over to that the beauty of game pass and also i have a question i i was gonna what do we all do this we're now we now officially qualify as old black gamers do we all just kind of name certain games whatever yes and yes we and the thing about it the other old black gamers around you understand what we're talking about right can I can I get one or two good examples? I'm trying to look up one right now because there was one, there was one that I used to use. But yes, a game that you just call it whatever, because of whatever, just call it whatever. It's like you just can't be bothered. You might love the game. It's not a knock on the game. Oh, this is rough. Listen, you listen. It's there. You pick one. It might be a bunch. There it goes. Bloodstained. There you go. Blood. Yeah, there you go. Bloodstained. Um. Ritual of the Moon. I call it um Bloodstained Curse of Osiris for no reason. Wow. Right. <laughs> right. That, that one is super random. Right. And it's Yeah, that there. one's hard. Right. That's what I mean. But it's like when I say no, when I say bloodstained, whatever, it doesn't matter what I say. I say I say, I say Curse of Osiris. You know that game? They go, Oh, you mean bloodstained with the with the girl? I go, Yes, that one. Like Symphony of Night. Yes. That's what so we understand what's going on and uh yeah i just think it's very funny that as old black gamers we do in fact call we like it's said before it's just blood for blood and it's just like sure no one's going to correct bacon if bacon goes hey guys let's go play blood for blood we will all nod we'll and nod and load it and up. load up blood for blood we will see the yeah. word black we will see the word back there and well nah. the other one is black for blood black for blood 
Which, I mean, that's also appropriate. There's like one black dude in the entire game. Yep. Really? Yeah, yeah Walker. I, yeah. I haven't looked at that. I haven't seen the full they, character roster. They have a lot of different... Um, they have a lot of different characters. There's only two white dudes. Yeah, there's only... But they both... Both of the white dudes, I'm like, all right, where were you on January 6th? I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're a little insufferable. Like, if you played Apex and you're familiar with Caustic, it's like split that guy in two. Oh, yeah, Caustic. Oh, he was, definitely, he was definitely in D.C. on January 6th. Oh, absolutely. He, 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 he He's he the pipe there. bomb guy. I mean, I'm just saying. He was anybody's there. listening. Um, I, have, I have actually uh, taken to playing his mom. Oh I no! I'm also mom. All right, this is gonna be an issue. Go on. We're gonna <laughs> have to. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to have a coin. We're gonna have the coin flip triple threat match. It's fine. We'll do it. We'll um, I like what, running around with a shotgun and a machete, or a shotgun and a fire axe. And I have already started specking a melee build. And that's something. Melee builds are finally a thing. You know what's wild though? The melee character Holly does not see nearly as much play as Mom. But, but Holly's good. Not a knock on Holly. It's just <laughs> that, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like Holly's Mom has I'm better shocked. team passives. Uh, yeah, that's true. I just liked the idea of an old lady uh, hacking zombies with an axe. Also true. I'm just like, here for the mom one-liners. <laughs> the mom one outliner the mom's shotgun is amazing it's like really good so until you find an uh, until you find a really good auto shotty uh mom's shotgun is solid and then you once you get the auto shotty god damn it cat you can replace it with a melee weapon and i've also discovered if you have enough cards set up where so you you gain health on kills. You gain yes. health. You get plus gaining health on melee kills means you can just stand in the doorway and machete or axe things to death and not die. And then the the card where you get health back for not every shotgun kill, just every shotgun shell that connects with yeah, anything. You get, you get health HP. Back. And then there's a a melee charge attack. Which I have found that um, it's easier. It's pretty easy for me to um, just charge attack special. What are they called? Are they called special? Just any of the special zombies, essentially. The like elites. the yeah, the elite, the tall boy. I can shot. I can axe in like a hit. Yo, it was the wildest thing seeing Bacon just run up on one of the big boys with the machete and just and done i'm like oh <laughs> yeah. i i don't need to be here i can just watch the show nah, sometimes it just be like that like if you play uh evangelo at least back in the beta um i had a fire axe once in one of my games and i ran up on a bruiser you know his arms all the way out it's nice and exposed and he's just like hey i'm just gonna try to swing on you all right bet he swung i ducked you can duck those and I Ooh. actually swung the fire, the fire axe at him, and took him off two clean shots, because Evangelos a stamina monster. So you can just keep swinging, and if you just happen to hit him, you're in good. 
So yeah, it can happen. Just run up on elites, at least until like the later acts where they no longer care about what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know how far you got in those campaigns, but yeah. We're, the, we're uh, not that far. The elites at the end will make you second guess your purchase. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't purchase it. Oh, run Game Pass there. So we're, on all, Game Pass. We're, all, we're all dipping. We're all dipping and ducking. Hip, it's dimming. on Xbox Game Pass and PC Xbox Game Pass. So I have PC Game Pass, and that's how I've been playing stuff. And I joined during a promotional time, so I'm still only paying like a dollar thirteen a month. Ah, the world we live in. I love that stuff. I I I just like to be the pressure is just off and I and I think it just takes the pressure off of games that we don't have to yell at cuz I feel like games that aren't on Game Pass or any type of subscription service they get this extra scrutiny and it forces people to then do think pieces about why they're just not in the mood. I see this a lot with like reviews for Far Cry. Far Cry is never bad. You're just not into it. That's cool. I'm not into it. But there are these think pieces about it. But something like Astria Ascending, for example, Bacon was like, oh, this, that, and the third is wrong with the game. Okay, moving on. There's nothing we don't, there's nothing bloated about it. There's nothing excessive about it. It's just. I think the worst part about Astria Ascending, to be honest, is the fact that it's labeled as a JRPG, and that is extremely misleading. I mean, I mean, we can walk that back. I didn't want to get into that, but yes, it, it, I don't know. I, I'm, not I'm still unclear about where the who is the or where the confusion originates because when I first heard they said the old the previous developers of Final Fantasy worked on Astria Ascending when in reality it's like the white neighbors and friends coworkers former coworkers of baristas for mailmen with former staff that worked on Final Fantasy worked on Astria Ascending. And who, where did that, where did that, that misdirect originate from? So both of the co-founders are game developers um, and have been not, well, not just game develop. I don't actually, one's a game developer, one's been in game management and they've both been in it for like almost a, over a decade. And, um, one of them, the one who's the game developer, has uh, he he was a quest de- designer in the EverQuest series, and also has worked for Ubisoft, Electronic Arts, and Sony. And the other one, I don't remember what he does, but those are two white guys, and they've worked on a variety of games over the years, including JRPGs. I know I think one of them lived in Japan for a while. Right. Uh, yeah, the management um, one went. He lived in Japan for a year and wor- has worked on Japanese games. Wow. All right, but then. All right, then. It's two white dudes. Right. If I had known this, this game would have fallen off my radar. Um, I had I the reason why I even paid in mind because I was like, oh, Final Fantasy, former Final Fantasy people. Okay, that they works got for you me. With the okie doke. I mean, listen, that worked yeah, on. Here's the deal. Definition there. <laughs> a long time. I listen. A long. I got. I got one of my favorite RPGs of all time is um, Lost Odyssey on Xbox. 
And it exists because of the people who didn't like the direction that Final Fantasy 13 was taking Final Fantasy in. So a bunch of the employees left and made an old school RPG like Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, 10. Lost Odyssey is very good. So when you say former employees, I'm like, you mean the irritated people that blessed me with Lost Odyssey? Sure. I'm, I'm here for more of that energy. That was not the truth. No, this is two white dudes with a taco, sh- with a taco truck. That's not cool. Uncool. Yeah, there, there's a lot of misleading marketing on this game. And if I had been aware of that, I think the game would have made, would have made more sense when I started playing it. It makes more sense now that I've played it. But yeah, it's definitely okie doke. But that's why I'm excited I have Blood for Blood. No, really, it's back for blood. Please don't. It, it's whatever. Blood for blood. No, it's, it's fine. It's, it's back blood. for blood. Listen, no. Listen, you're not going to give them call Blood of the Osiris. Listen, it's a fantastic <laughs> game. It's and, a really good. It's fun. It's fun. Um, there are some, I guess, negative reviews on the game right now because old school Left 4 Dead players aren't enjoying it. But I think those are PC players who have been playing a modded version of Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 for the last decade. I think that they are concerned about the, um, you know, Left 4 Dead was originally a popcorn game that expanded into something more for the diehard fans. And now the Black Blood for Blood of the Osiris is for, is essentially back to its roots as a popcorn game for people who just want to shoot some zombies. Now, the developers are like, we're not going to let y'all do this again, what you did with Left 4 Dead. There's not going to be any modding, nothing like that. You're just going to have the game. We're going to give you content. That's it. You're going to be online. Sorry. And the Left 4 Dead people, the rusted on decade people who are still playing it today are mad. And, you know, like I always say, you know, listen to the developer. If they're telling you their intent, then that's it. I guess it's their right to be mad as they would like another, you know, decade long Left 4 Dead like experience. But the developers themselves are like, we're not trying to do that. In fact, Left 4 Dead's experience and why it lasted so long was a happy accident. We're not going to try and do that. Also, right. you really can't have crossplay with modding. Right. <laughs> and they and they are committed to the crossplay. Uh, how is well, the, how is and the people cop- want the funny thing is people want crossplay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you can't have crossplay with modding. Okay, here's the thing. As someone who was there, like uh, Left 4 Dead, when it came out, it was a, like Aaron said, a popcorn game. Like we all enjoyed playing it because the scenarios are great. The characters were very much endearing. And the gameplay itself was very arcadey in nature. Like, you know, you didn't have to think too hard about it. God, it is. But, you know, the criticisms that Back 4 Blood is receiving right now, I think are incredibly unfair because like Aaron said, uh, a lot of people who've been playing the same game, and this is a, this is a steam thing as far as I'm concerned, like a specific platform thing where a hit game will come out from valve and it will play that game for a solid decade, legitimate solid decade. And then assume that everything that may be created in that vein in the future going forward needs to be exactly like that game they've been playing for a decade. They got to put that time in and have it mean something, right? But as the devs of Bad for Blood said, they're not really trying to cater to that crowd because mods are mods, you know? It's a stray from the uh, original vision. So as a designer, I could tell you outright, like if someone's playing my game in a way where they enjoy it, that's fine, right? But the next thing I'm going to do 
is the thing I'm going to do. So you can take it or leave it. And seems by the positive reception, I mean, there are some criticism, but the mostly positive reception for Back for Blood, a lot of people have decided to take it because it reminds them of the game that they used to have fun with before it got too serious. Yeah. In fact, that was one of the things that Bacon had brought up. Was like we were in the Discord, and Bacon was like, "I Bacon, you said you used to play with people, and they got on your nerves because they started taking the game too seriously." Yeah, and um, one of them broke my game. Has like broken several of my games by cheating and using mods, oh. and um, I got very angry with them and refused to play games with them anymore. And that kind of cut my cut a lot of my experience with that game. Mm. Um. So I'm excited to play this new version of it with new characters and a new system without trash people. I actually strange. had a really positive experience with a random person today. And they were even on mic. Really? They were very nice. They're like, yeah, this is my first time playing. And they're like, neither of you are on mic. And like um, my friend who I was playing with, um, the mic wasn't working. Like, he couldn't figure out PC audio is weird when you're trying to, like, do Discord and game audio. It gets weird. I figured it out, but it's weird, and it takes a minute. And so, like, he couldn't hear the other person, but I could hear the other person. And so I was on Push to Talk, so I would, like, reply to them. And we were able to communicate in a way where I was, like, intermediary between the two, between all three of us. And it was positive. It was fine. The person was not rude. I was very shocked. Uh, they were, they were a PC player using uh, Game Pass as well. So it, it's also the the crossplay is really the, the crossplay is working really well, which I'm surprised at. This is probably one of my better crossplay experiences so early on. I'm playing with what. Uh, Justin, you were on PlayStation? Yeah, I'm on, yeah, I'm on the 5. So uh, you were on PS5. I'm on PC. Um, I don't remember what the best friend was on. And another person from our FC, I think they were on PC. Yep. And then I was specific. I think they were on Steam PC, and then I was on Game Pass. Yeah. And... I think my best friend was on Game Pass, but I don't remember if they were on Xbox or PC. So, and then other people that we've been matched with have been through PlayStation, PC, and Xbox, like a combination of the three. The crossplay is working great. The only complaint I have about Blood for Blacks is <laughs> the menus. plural. Plural. Got to put the S on it. Got to put the S on it. The menu system is atrocious. Like, that's it. I think that's a recurring theme in WB games, actually. <laughs> Just terrible menus. But honestly, if the worst thing I have to say about your game is that the menus suck, it's probably a good game. Sorry, okay. I, be, I came off of so many bad menus that I was surprised I could find everything right away. So, you know what it is? I think 14 has spoiled me because there's a lot going on with its menu system, but it's still very organized and easy to find things. Yeah, so I came off of Astro Ascending, which the menu system isn't terrible, but everything inside the menu system doesn't make sense. And then Tales of Arise took... The menu system isn't terrible, but it definitely needs some work. Every, like, all of the information is there in Tales of Arise. It's just 
you have to find where it is. And then the Mass Effect menu system, Mass Effect 3 menu, is terrible. That is atrocious. Mass Effect 3 it menu is system one is atrocious. Of the worst menus I have seen in my life. It is so bad. And um, this discussion about menu systems just reminds me of how few games I play with men- menu systems. <laughs> like the term just it penetrated my brain just now. It was just something I never think about. World ends with you, Neo. That one has an awkward menu system. So, like, this one wasn't terrible. I was like, oh, here's where everything is. I get it now. It definitely took me a minute, but I found everything. So, this wasn't the worst, but I can see where it would be bad. I've just had a lot of really bad menu systems lately. That's fair. That is 100% fair. Yeah. Uh, What are you going to say? I forgot. I was going to say, yeah. Try, um, what is it? What was it? Black for Blood of the Blood of the Osiris, Volume 1. Available (laughs) on Game Pass. Um, Everyone by now knows what we're talking about. And that's the beauty of being old black gamers. All right. um, Let's see. What's on this? Um, Bacon baited the hook to get original nigga RD here with fighting game talk. And, yes. then, and then I asked Bacon, I said, well, what has RD been talking about? And then Bacon exploded. And um, <laughs> there was silence on the microphone for hours and hours. Um, so... I have my own thing. I have my own. Cons- I have my own question because, as my understanding is that you are, like I said, you are. You're, you're like I said, you are an arcade gamer, arcade yes. fighting game OG gamer. If I recall, did you play? Uh, since we were ten minutes apart, did you play fighting games in the places where your parents told you to stop playing there because it was not really a grocery store? And those three arcades were located in a dangerous junction. Of commerce. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very friendly way of putting it. Yes, dangerous. Thing. And it was just like, you know, there'd be the there would be the three arcades and the laundromat and it would just have the busted machines and my mom would be like, You gotta stop going to the laundromat to play Street Fighter and I'd be like, But mother, why? <laughs> why can't I return to the laundromat to play Street Fighter too? I've just gotten my rhythm. And she would never tell me. So, nope. Right. So there is a little, there is that history. And um, you're also a big SNK fighting game fan. And I noted, I was looking at Tokyo Game Show and there's this long, long um, display uh, demo for King of Fighters 15? Yes. 15. I thought you weren't going to watch the Tokyo Game Show. Oh, not with you, because every time I watch things with you, they charge me money for something that I need to buy. But watching it by myself in the safety of my own home was shockingly less expensive. Shockingly less expensive. Also, you, you, you watch it in the safety of your own home. What? You've always watched it in the safety of your own home. When you're, but with you, it's less safe in my own home. It's the universal safety of my own home. They're not going to announce any Castlevania advanced remasters or anything that you obviously were planning to show me so that I have to buy on the spot. I didn't It's a rather nefarious plan to juke me out of 20 bucks 
Like, I don't know where you got your cut, and I don't know whether you got it from Nintendo or Konami, but you got got a cut, and I think it's unfair. (laughs) If you just needed to borrow some money, you could have hit me up, but don't, like, hey, let's watch Nintendo Direct. Oh, they're bringing out all all the Castlevania Advance games, Game Boy games. I couldn't play moons ago all at once today at 11. He's still mad at me about this, everybody. I'm going to, I, I'm, I'm, I've known you for years. I consider you one of my closest, dearest friends. And I don't understand why were you so duplicitous just to get a cut of my $20 from Konami. I think I that was I didn't get that ruthless. cut, but I will take the $20 commission. I think that was ruthless. And I think the lies need to stop. Anywho, RD, King of Fighters 15, the move to 3D. I've heard many, many people decrying it for the loss, and people have been saying that the SNK animated 2D sprites are the best animated 2D sprites in history in terms of detail, and losing that in the 3D is like, is deeply problematic. You're an actual game designer and an artist. And I'm like, I'm looking and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know. Ah, uh, man, it, it's a conversation for certain because um, I'm of the opinion that the visuals in KOF 15 look great, and I think there's some areas where they could still touch up, like the special moves, special move effects. I'm not really a fan of because I know SNK can do a lot better than that, judging from the previous work. But again, the transition to 3D, like some shit just gets lost. You know what I mean? And uh, I think a lot of people were also spoiled by KOF 13 which was the last 2D game that uh, SNK created before they made that transition. And 13, if you haven't seen it before, was a triumph of pixel art, to say the least. And even though it was a very good-looking game, it was also, in a couple of ways, kind of a bad-looking game. And what I mean by that is that uh, the character proportions were absolutely off. And, you know, you're busy being blinded by how good the uh, sprite work looks, how good the shadows are, and all the other bells and whistles that you don't even notice that King's arm is about the size of two toothpicks put together. And it's just one of those things that, you know, if the game is good enough, you're going to ignore all that stuff. But it becomes more prevalent when you talk about how bad the design, quote unquote, is with the latest release. And I feel like SNK has had plenty of bangers over these past 30, 40 years even, where they can have a little bit of a room to breathe. Because, again, King of Fighters 14, a previous game, was their first attempt at a 3D fighter in terms of, like, the modern era. I mean, they've made them before, and they've always been bad. But 14 was their first serious attempt because it was a revival of the franchise, right? 15 is the second attempt at a KOF game, but in between, they had Samurai Showdown, so Samurai Showdown came out, and they clearly displayed potential with their uh, 3D um, acumen, at least. And uh, now it's starting to resemble their 2D work a lot more. So, you know, KOF 15 comes out. Everyone's like, yo, these graphics are ugly. And I'm like, are they ugly? Or are you just not a fan of the style? That was my, um, that was the thing. Because I remember King, King of Fighters 14 came out, and I was like, this looks new. It didn't look ugly. But it looked new, like they were trying something out, but a new pair yeah. of shoes. And I was like, all right, well, you know, it's not like they're going to stop making these games. So, sure. It played well. No one complained about how it played. So, perfect. Keep going. This one looks gobs better 
then this looks this looks like they're comfortable with what they're trying to do after King of Fighters 14 and Samurai Showdown. And I'm like, they look right. comfortable. King of Fighters 15, that's what got my attention, was that one, they weren't trying to bilk me out of $20 on the spot bacon. They um, It looked comfortable <laughs> immediately. And I was like, back in your mouth. and I was like, oh, they're good now. Now we're good and we can, and now like, I don't, and that was the thing when I was looking at it and I was, people were complaining and I was like, these sound like reflexes responses because there's a clear point A to point C here in growth over the past five, six years. Right. And that is why I trust them with these designs and this art direction. The reason why Aaron, like keeping it a whole stack here, those CD locations where we were playing those arcade games was also the same place where I was introduced to Fatal Fury. Right. Now, back in the day, like for those who weren't around, there was Street Fighter and it was Fatal Fury. So if you were playing Street Fighter, you had a very specific idea of what fighting games are capable of. And then Fatal Fury comes along, flips the whole thing on his head, and you go, wow, this is almost as good as Street Fighter, if not the same as Street Fighter. And SNK hooked me back then because they were committed to their own house style. You know what I mean? And like Capcom made Street Fighter. Everybody goes, Yo, Street Fighter is the GOAT. And there's a good argument for that, right? But here's what people don't realize about Capcom. They barely make fighting games. Like if you count their franchises on uh, what, one hand? You might get about four if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, SNK has like freaking double digits in terms of fighting game franchises. So they've had plenty like, of time. They have like a bazillion. Yes. Right. So they've had plenty of time to fuck it up and get it right over and over and over, over decades. Like we talk about, um, I think we had this conversation a long time ago about like Balrog and DJ, right? Yes. Now, those were the only two niggas we've ever seen in an arcade, right? Yeah. And we were like, yo, this guy is not the best of us. And then DJ comes along. <laughs> this guy is also not the best of us. What is DJ, DJ, <laughs> you leave, you leave. My man is, my man is Jamaican and happy. My man is happy to be here. He is happy to be out here <laughs> so happy. on the main. He's on the main roster. He is happy. Now listen, the first time I saw DJ, I was about seven or eight years old, bro. Like I didn't know where Jamaica was on a map, but I knew Jamaicans. <laughs> And I knew they didn't act like that. Yeah, yo. So, yo. so I was like losing it right there. And this is the point about SNK, right? At the same time, Fatal Fury was out. You know, King of Fighters is really getting started. KOF ninety four. Who do I see on the screen? I see Heavy D. I see Lucky Glauber. I see my man in a whole basketball getup <laughs> under the Brooklyn Bridge <laughs> fighting niggas. And I was like, yo, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Heavy D. I don't know what the D stands for. I assume he was named after the rapper, of course, but, you know, Japan. Anyway, my man is all, already up there, full six foot six, double tape fist, looking like Overton from Living Single, just <laughs> punching everybody as hard as he can. And this was going on at the same time Balrog and DJ were in the arcades. So the, the choice was clear. I'm going with SNK. And as time has progressed and we hit KOF 15, they have a litany of black characters because their designs are so good. And their style does it justice. Like, I can tell a Heavy D, a Lucky Glover, a Seth, 
a K dash even the star of their series was once a dark skinned man, <laughs> you know, and they put so much work into those character designs. They need a in-house style and art style to make it pop. They need to follow those principles. They need to talk about figure and ground as in like the backgrounds are amazing, right? But they don't distract from the fighting at hand. The only thing you'll notice in like um in uh the recent trailers is oh these effects are kind of janky. They look kind of janky. I'll be the first to say it. Because if you played any of the previous games you realize they could do a lot better. But again, it's all about style because there's a lot of games that kind of just you can't look at them in 2021, right? Because the style didn't age well. A KOF 15, by what I'm seeing right now, this will still look good about 20 years from now. You know, like, we could say that about pixel games, especially. Like uh, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, right? Great game. Reason why we still have it in such high regard is that you can play the game today and it still looks like a high-budget indie title, even. You know, mm-hmm. and then other games they kind of they kind of fall by the wayside. You know, like I love Tekken, I can't look at Tekken two. I can't. It don't look good. Listen, bro. listen, listen. Early, I, I talk about this with Bacon. Baby, it polygon. There was a period of time where polygon, where they, we were all straight, we were all like children trying to figure out what the Legos do, and man, those games suffering, boy. We can't oh. do. We can't go back. They down bad out there. You like can't go oh, back. Listen, anything that was ever on the N sixty four, I'm yeah. struggling with yeah. personally. Yeah, like that that that's something I got to talk to my therapist about. You know, like those games are not <laughs> those games are not good. That's what happened when Nintendo <laughs> when 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 Bacon when Bacon jipped me out of twenty bucks. They announced that they were putting in uh, sixty four games on Switch Online the service. And I was looking, and I was like, mm. <laughs> "Like, oh no, boys!" I did not. I did yeah, not. That was okay. not. That was all you. Okay, it's fine. Whatever. It's I. It's fine. Anywho, we I early polygons are rough, and it is very funny to see now how we've learned to respect early sprite work in the same period of time, and now we're now we're all now we're suddenly chewing out King of Fighters. SNK for getting their shit together with King of Fighters 15. And this this blows my mind because SNK, if they're known for anything, is for incredible animations. Like when they really put their foot in it, you can't mistake it for anything. And the way people say 15's graphics are bad just tells me that they haven't really perused the uh the catalog, so to speak. Because now you're comparing it to other games that are like you know, in, in the contemporary uh, space as like a uh, Street Fighter V or an MK11 or something like that, where they're wildly different styles. Like MK11 is a great looking game. MK11 is also dark as fuck. You know, like there's some things that I can't even see sometimes and I like the game. And then you have the, your Tekken 7s where the graphics are incredible. Again, dark as hell. What's going on? And then you got KOF 15, which is, like you said, extremely colorful mm-hmm. because style carries, you know, and there's something is visually striking from the very moment you see it. That's good color theory at work. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. good gestalt principles just all over the place. These are the things that make designs timeless. And I think a lot of people are having a reckoning, so to speak, because KOF is choosing not to be the latest and greatest in terms of graphics. They are carrying this entire franchise on the art team's back. 
And I think it's working for the better. I think when the game gets released, a lot of people will be able to see that. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And also, I think, I think fighting games have such a more elastic concept of what looks good. And also, I'll say this also: I think 3D graphics now have an elastic, like a rotating set of criteria, like brackets, criteria, whatever you want to say, for what constitutes good graphics. It has to. Your art is more important. Like for instance, like. I don't like the way Killer Instinct looks, even though Killer Instinct looks technically like the three Xbox One version of the game. I, I don't like it either. Right. It's not, <laughs> but I understand that it looks superb. Like technically, it looks great, but in terms of art, it's just Killer Instinct has never done it for me. And then that, which is the the the, the top of the mountain for its franchise. <laughs> Eh. yeah and like not a lot of people like understand the difference too between a game that's good to play and good to spectate like there are some games that are a blast to play like the latest killer instinct is actually pretty fun oh yeah great game but if you just play a clip of killer instinct there's four of us right now if you play a clip of killer instinct and all four of us are watching the same clip i guarantee you you'll get four different takeaways because there's so much visual noise in a simple Killer Instinct match, it's very hard to tell what's going on. Like if you if you see a Cinder mirror, and for those of you who've never like experienced Killer Instinct or know what Cinder is, Cinder is a dude who is literally made of fire. Yeah, Killer Killer Instinct's a lot for me. Imagine one dude made of fire fighting another dude made of fire. <laughs> Would you be able to tell them apart? When they do moves and there's embers everywhere, there's explosions, would you be able to tell what's going on? I mean... Would you tell a fierce from a jab? Would you tell a DP from a fireball? You cannot. There is nothing going on there that allows you to make the clear visual distinction that these are two separate characters. And, yeah, a lot of games, they tend to do that and go, you know, this is fine. And I'm over here whispering, like, it's not fine. The only game that I have been able to play, the only fighting game I've been able to play that has a shit ton of noise in it is Guilty Gear games. Because it's very distinct noise per character. That's fair, because Guilty Gear is an extremely distinct game. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very distinct game with very distinct characters, and each character has very distinct noise that they make. (laughs) And you know what? This is a longstanding thing, too. Because, again, I will go back to the arcades of my youth, where um, Street Fighter stuck out because it was visually distinct compared to other games at the time, which did not have such uh, amazing graphics, really. But do people know what the second fighting game from Capcom was after Street Fighter? Anybody want to hazard a guess? Was it Darkstalkers? Yes, Darkstalkers. Now, if you know anything about Darkstalkers, you'll know that there is a world of difference between Street Fighter 2 and Darkstalkers. Yes. Like, they're very different games. And now, here's where it gets weird. Darkstalkers, if you were to walk by the machine, you would be amazed by what's going on, right? But you didn't really have time to appreciate it because maybe a few weeks after that, another fighting game from Capcom came out. And it was called X-Men Children of the Atom. That loud ass which game. is one of the most gorgeous games still that I have ever seen. Yes. And it's so colorful. And it caught me in a way that games should capture people now in 2021, now that we have even more graphical capability. 
you know so folks can lean on the hardware folks can lean on the graphics and be like oh this is amazing this is stellar and the game is good as a result the last part probably not so much but the reason why graphics is so important for a lot of people i think is because style has become less important and again style ages well but if you don't really put that kind of effort into it would you really remember it like skyrim everyone loves skyrim you put a skyrim screenshot in front of me I couldn't tell if it's Skyrim or The Witcher Three. I don't like Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. like I, I can't, I can't get into that. You know, that's just me as a gamer. Like, I can't get into that. It's so boring. It's so boring. It's so boring. The art is so boring. Everything is bland. And you mentioned it's uh, it's visually unstimulating. Yeah, it's visually unstimulating. Like, um, you mentioned Far Cry earlier, right? Yeah. I've never been a fan of the Far Cry games. And it's not Far Cry's fault specifically. It's the fault of the genre. You know what? I think that's actually part of the reason I really love the new Assassin's Creed games. I'm throwing that in there too, Bacon. The it's new a one. Pot of, it's, a, it's a pot of me saying I'm rejecting all of these games. <laughs> no, I like, no, no. So specifically, I only like the new ones because they're so pretty. Like, like, but it's not like all of it. Like when you're down on the ground, it's like, no, it's not great. But when you're like up and like when you're actually like looking, there's a lot of they spend a lot of time doing like landscapes. Yeah. Um, and so like when you find a perch to just like look at the landscapes, it's great. Like that's all I remember from that game. I was playing like, I was playing Odyssey. I remember I, the gay shit and the landscapes. And then uh setting up. I was playing I was playing Odyssey and I realized that Odyssey and Valhalla have big Hercules and Xena energy. Like in terms of like the like if you don't push through the game, like if you're not like, you know, sometimes like gamers are like run you just like run from marker on the map to marker on the map. But if you don't, Odyssey plays like one big episode of Hercules and or Xena. Oh man, that's so true. Right. And it's like if you know if you're into that, if you're not into that, it is not a thing. But the amount of times where I realized like my play session was like an episode of Xena, Warrior Fucking Princess, then I was like, oh, I see what they were doing. Because just walking, because there's a thing about every episode where Xena would walk into a town was always like, it was very video gamey. Like, all right, this is the town. There's something wrong here. Let's find out together. Yeah. <laughs> and, very Saturday night. Right. And you can flirt uh, with the wait staff. Right. And if you just, and before you enter a town, you play Odyssey. And if anyone, if any of you are listening, if you have Odyssey, the Odyssey got like an Xbox Series X, a Series X update. And then like Valhalla just looks superb. Don't like run to the marker. Don't follow the marker. Just walk into the town and everything. It just has this. And I think that's the style they're going for. Now they spread it out too far. The open worlds are too big. But the yes. energy, but so right. But the energy that they're looking for is Xena Warrior Princess, and they're nailing it. And then you like just do a lot of wandering for six hours. But there's like there's an hour there where they nail it, and I'm like, this is what they're trying to do, and they okay. do it. And it's like, but so it's like, I get it. And Far Cry doesn't do anything. Far Cry I'm has so a glad crocodile. Yeah, the last. <laughs> That's exactly why I don't care for these games, dude. Like for real, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> right, I know I don't, and that's what I'm saying. I I don't, that's don't. why I never. That's why I don't tell anyone to like. I'm never gonna tell anyone to buy an Assassin's Creed game. But I'm gonna say because of that, because Ubisoft is rude as fuck. They disrespect your time, dog. 
They disrespect That's your time. The one resource. You, you know, you go through an entire game, they give you an item that you are meant to use, and you just don't use it. You've beaten the game, and the thing is still sitting in your inventory. Yes. That is how I feel about so many of these games. Like, time is the resource that you can't get back. And I would like to use that before my game is over. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And, like, a lot of games don't respect that these days. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to shake my cane here a little bit. Like, I played a game called Steel Assault uh, the other week, uh, just released on Steam. It's an awesome side-scrolling game. And it's very linear in nature. You know, there's no open-world elements. The entire game was about an hour long for me to beat. Best hour I spent all month. Best hour I spent all month. And this is among other games that have taken hours to even get halfway through my, 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 favorite, and my favorite game of the year is hunt down so i see it hunt down hunt down has talk to him aaron hunt, talk to hunt, him hunt down i played hunt down like hunt down like two I, months ago i honestly can't give my game of the year yet because Endwalker hasn't happened right but i i justin this. feels me on this <laughs> I, I, don't mean, know. I mean, it's no. Like, when 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 Endwalker drops, like it's over for you niggas. Like it's it's over. It's, it's over. over. It's oh, over. Yo, Yoshi P is out here taking mixtape photos. It's over. Listen, He's about to show up on release day with two chains on. Like I did that shit. I don't it's think over. y'all understand the 2020 I just had. Listen, um, I made a tweet about this a while ago. <laughs> I had four games of the year last year, a departure from my usual one. Because the quality was up there. We had Hades, right? We had Streets of Rage 4, right? We had yeah. Paradise Killer, right? We had Hunt Down all in the same year. And neither of those games disrespected my time. Yeah. It can be done. It can be done. And I think that's why I still play fighting games to this day. And because they don't disrespect my time. Yeah, it, like, it's really, it's going to be hard because, like, like I said, um, one thing I like Final Fantasy XIV is an MMO. Clearly, I'm in its addictive grasp, but like the game also doesn't punish you for not playing. Um, it's very friendly towards however amount 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 of time you want to put into it. So, like that, which is something that they specifically do. They specifically make the, this game for like all levels of play, casual play, and time you want to put into it. Uh, I just happen to be one of those people who's just like, it's a second, it's it's job, right? And Mo most is... people are not that person. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think that's what you mean. Like, it's. I think that's what that's what Artie's saying. That's what we're saying. Is like, yeah, like yeah. If you, if like you're you playing, don't if have you, to do that. But I what, do that. But that's what but, I mean. In Final yeah. Fantasy, if you if you want to fill every hour with a thing, you can. If you're playing yeah. certain games, certain open world games, you can't fill your time with anything no. more than driving or no. running. And that's no. what we're talking about. Oh, no, no, no. I get what y'all are saying. I'm saying, like, that's why I said it's, it, like, when Endwalker drops, it's going to be probably a toss-up for me between that and then Neo, the world ends with you. Right. Um, See, like... That game, I also feel, respects my time. I remember, like, the first time you told me about that game, Bacon, like, we were in the Discord or something like that, and I said, oh, that's cool that came out. And that was the most I've ever said about that game. <laughs> oh, Neo? Yeah, because that's yeah. me and, like, RPGs and, like, similar games yeah. at this point, you know? Like, I didn't grow up on them. So it's not like I am used to spending that type of time on one video game. Like, I've always had the room to jump around because the games that I was playing weren't so committed. 
like I was playing like stuff in the arcade and I was playing stuff at home, like, you know, a Mega Man or Rocket Knight Adventures, things I can finish in an afternoon, like a Shinobi 3 or something like that, you know? Yeah. And I, then like, um... I'm done. I alternate so like I have one I have one game that I can tune in whenever I want to yeah and then I have um I mean I kind of do that with all games and then I have like my RPG because I I really love narrative um and it just a lot of like really good narratives just happen to be great point great point Uh, because (laughs) we were just talking about narrative (laughs) and listen there's an RPG narrative where you can take about 70 hours to get the most out of it, right? And then you can play Fatal Fury 1 about a guy who just wants to kill the dude who killed his dad. Right. A whole 20-minute romp, and I got the same set of satisfaction. That's when I realized that I wasn't going to play RPGs that much. <laughs> right. So, like, for me, I have, I have, like, you know, The World Ends With You. Yeah. And then after The World Ends With You, I have my Fatal Fury. Right. So like I do, I have both at the same time. Um, it, it's just this year the the short games just haven't been hitting me. Um, Boyfriend Dungeon was probably the closest. I was like a good thirteen hours. Um, mm-hmm. But there was some there was like a little bit of weirdness with that one. But I still really love it. But I can't. It doesn't. It doesn't hit like my game of the year button. <laughs> still very good. So. This year, this year the games were good, but last year the games were phenomenal. Yeah, Paradise Killer came out of nowhere. I'm still singing the praises of that game. Seriously, like it was just uh, uh, a whim. I feel like we're gonna get a lot of end of the year or beginning of next year games, though. I feel like COVID, like uh, COVID, put a lot of shit on delay. Oh yeah, and I think we're gonna have. I think we're gonna get a whole slew of games all at the same time. So I feel like next year is gonna be like last year, but worse. That's my prediction. Could be. I mean, KOF fifteen got delayed, and now it's coming out in twenty twenty two. Nigga, everything got delayed. March yep. is gonna be like like March is gonna be a nightmare. We only have so much money. You know how many games are coming out in March? It's really bad. <laughs> Look. I'm only buying KOF 15 because that comes out in February. So I'm like, hey, we're getting the month ahead of the jump. But Good luck, niggas. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, I, I've never, I am, I forgot that I have a Switch. You mentioned Paradise Killer. I was like, oh, yes, I do have a Switch. Because it's like, my Switch lineup consists entirely of games I heard people talking about that I didn't have, the, I didn't have a PC or a Switch. <laughs> so it's like oh. uh, so every time I'm just like listening to people talk and they'll be like they'll be like you know this game or that game and I'll be like okay and I'll just quietly go download it on my Switch without saying a word to anyone <laughs> it just it popped like the name of the game popped up in green text like old Final Fantasy <laughs> it's just oh. like okay so Yo, I'm, I'm so pressed that No More Heroes 3 is just stuck on Switch <laughs> I'm so pressed listen I I I I'm out, I'm I'm right here I'm right here with you so I'm well I'm... while I have Justin here um Justin yes are you are you excited about the Dark Knight changes all right <laughs> I didn't think this was gonna that be this show firm, all right I didn't know if this was gonna be this show because we do have like some weeks leading up to Endwalker to digest everything but if you just want my my early impressions on the changes they made to Dark Knight. I have you here. You are here right now. We are going to talk about Final Fantasy. You, you are. Right, you sure. are. In, in fairness, you are not always here. 
This is true. So it's true. Um, We're not always here. So so the uh, embargo from the Final Fantasy XIV and Walker press tour has lifted. And we have official, unleaked, official information on all of the class jobs and more stuff and whatnot all. I refuse to watch anything outside of the class, outside of like the class jobs and stuff because I don't want to see shit out of the new content. I will not be spoiled. Um, however, right. however, 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 Justin. So, okay. I like the changes to Dark Knight because basically they just said if you like Dark Knight, we just give you more of the tools you need to do the things you like to do. They changed Delirium so that it's less, you don't have to worry about hitting the five blood spillers in that little like seven second window. You just get three free. So they're killing your DPS slightly, but they're making it so you don't have to focus on DPS as much. And I'm like, okay, I can live with that. They're giving you more ways to do damage and more ways to mitigate. I'm like, okay, so it's basically the same, just better. Yeah, I can live with this. Yeah, you're literally going to be taking less damage and doing more damage at the same time. Yeah, and um, I'm like, I'm 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 cool with that. I'm I haven't seen because potencies and cooldowns are subject to change. I haven't seen the new Blackest Night cooldown. Also, the potencies. Uh, no, the cooldown should be on there. No, so I haven't. I haven't seen if they've confirmed that this is what it's going to be because it looks like the cooldowns are the same. Yeah, the cooldown shouldn't be changing. Um, they did add more mitigation to the other tanks, which um, I guess yeah. made some Dark Knight mains mad. But well, I, I, so, I was so, I was talking with another Dark Knight main, and they're like, I don't understand what people are mad about. The other tanks are squishy. <laughs> basically what they gave they gave every tank their own version of blackest night right but like like for instance like gunbreaker is really squishy and gunbreaker to compensate for gunbreaker squishiness they have they have surpassed warrior for self heals because they need them because they're incredibly squishy they're so squishy so the the complaints that are out there basically all of the tanks feel the same but they only feel the same if you don't play other tanks if you play other tanks you feel the differences between all of them what they've done is they've made tanking in general a streamlined process tanking is the same no matter what class you play but each class feels different because each class accomplishes tanking in a different way right and i like that like what, what they've done is if you want to tank you do not have to learn how to tank on each class you just have to know the fundamentals of tanking and then learn how your class does those little nuances all your tank busters you're all, you're going to handle all your tank busters with this mitigation okay but that mitigation does something different for each class you get a different bonus each class is going to have their own damage combo but all right that damage combo does something different for each class but the but the the fundamental of mitigate single target combo, AOE combo, group mitigate is the same. You just need to learn what all of those things do for that specific class. But the fundamentals of tanking are the same. And 14 does a really good job at making concepts easy to get more people into the game and rewarding you for knowing the nuances of your class. You're never punished for not knowing the nuances of your class in regular content. But if you want to get dangerous and spicy and start doing EX Savage and more end game content, then you need to know the nuances of your class, but the game fosters an environment for you to learn those. And if you don't want to learn it, you learn that it's not your judge. 
cool. You're not punished for not doing that. Hi, it's me. I'm doing ultimates now. Yeah. So what the fuck is wrong with me? I'm I like the changes to the it's not even changed, the upgrades to Dark Knight. I like the changes to the other tanks because it means hopefully it means that more people won't have tank anxiety. Because like in the novice network, I see a lot of sprouts pop in and they're like, yo, I'm anxious about tanking. And one thing that we always say is like, yo, just get in there and do it. We'll run some with you just so you can get used to it. But the 14 community isn't insert toxic community that you came from here, right? Like we have our toxic elements, but for the most part, folks are chill. Yeah, so, a lot of the toxic folks get weeded out really fast. Yo, and... I'm hoping that these changes they've made make people make people feel more comfortable with tanking because then it's like, okay, I want to do this thing, but I don't want to let people down. I think that's why RFC, the first thing we do when folks would like go through the game is we made them do Titan EX so they could learn to fail. Yes, that's <laughs> literally why I did that. That's why I, that's why I refuse to call it hazing. It's, it teaches very important structures of how. Um, yeah, it, it's it's the Kobe Bryant types. lesson. Kobe Bryant told Dwight Howard, shoot 100 free throws. Dwight Howard came to Kobe Bryant and said, Kobe, I suck at shooting free throws. How can I get better? Kobe said, shoot 100 free throws. And Dwight was like, okay, but I keep missing what I do to get better. Kobe just kept telling him, shoot 100 free throws, shoot 100 free throws. <laughs> Literally just keep doing it. Dwight gets pissed off. He's like, yo, I'm not getting better. Like, I keep missing. And Kobe says, that's the point. You have to get used to failure because you're going to fail. Once you've accepted the fact that you're going to fail, what you do next is what matters. Okay, I failed this time try again i failed this time try again that's... and then it, and then it becomes i failed why yeah th then you can start picking apart okay we messed up why did we mess up all right what did we do wrong how can we improve which by the way is literally how you just go through savage content that's I mean, also that... how you learn how to play fighting games <laughs> it's, it's also how you go through life right like <laughs> yeah getting, getting meta old black dad here that's that's like <laughs> the paradox of life right you fall down why do we fall? To get back up. You win some, you lose some, but you live to fight another day. Like yes, that, that, that is life. And I'm glad that RFC fosters that environment. Like fo folks are signing up to do shit that I know they wouldn't have done when they first joined just because they know if they fuck up with us, we're just going to roast them in the loving way. We don't even roast them. <laughs> well, we roast the experience. Like it was like, oh shit, it's we true. died. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got, got that time. And then it's like, okay, cool. Same time again. Like we were progging one of the, the easier EX contents, Diamond EX. We were progging that for like a month and we got through it and there was like, everyone was just so happy. Like, yo, we got it. We got the clear. First, first pull, we got the clear. And I'm like, yeah, y'all can, y'all can do this. Yeah, it's really just die. It's learning while dying. That's all it is. Yeah. It's, um, it's learning to die and learning that it's okay to die. And that's like how you learn mechanics, to be honest. Um, it's, so there's been a lot of like scholar is dead memes going on, which is just bullshit. Um, oh, oh, no, no. I, I want everybody that told me scholar was dead after that fan fest. I need all of y'all come to the stage right now. Y'all said it was dead. Y'all said all they got was a speed boost. No, come to the stage. Come to the stage. So... So one of the things that they're doing in balancing the game is they're 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 going to be doing a stat squish, um, scholar because like with a stat squish potencies are going to be different. Um, scholar actually really benefits from the stat squish probably more than most of the other classes because of their shielding. So their shields are actually going to be 
the more, most powerful that they've ever been. Um, it looks like Scholar's still going to have the... Um, uh, it still looks like Scholar's going to have like the uh, most mitigation out of all the healers, including with the new uh, healer, Sage, which people are going to be ter- terrible at. It's going to be hilarious. Um, <laughs> but... They're also, you know, they also changed the offensive cooldowns for healers, all of them to like yes. 1.5, which uh, was Astro's um, cooldown to start. And White Mages was pretty low anyway, but Scholars is like so, like, Royal is so long to cast. I, I slot spell speed just to make it tolerable. And so like all, they're they're doing a lot of like balancing like they did with the tanks and making like all the tanks play better. So they they're doing a lot of balancing with um, just all the classes in general and with healing. And Scholar as a healer actually benefits the most from all of these changes. So all of the changes that are even like the class changes too that they made to Scholar like none of it looks really sexy until you start looking at the the the, the details of it and then you realize oh this shit is plain. No. <laughs> I, I saw all the scholar changes and I said, oh, okay, so the new air quote meta, because it's only meta for like first for first clear for world first clears and speed runs, it's gonna be scholar astro. Like that's the new meta. I it, mean, it, well, it's, it's the current meta actually, which is the funny part is like yeah. people are you saying scholar's terrible now, but scholar is required in raids. Yes. Um so it might be for speed runs that they might swap in Sage, but Scholar is going to be the only um, one that's going to have, going to be able to increase speed in combat. Right. Well, not even, not even just the, the combat speed increases, just the general utility of having the Scholar mitigations. Tanks can slightly slack off and put more into DPS. I literally have like a tank buster buff that I like, I can't. Yeah. I have they gave they gave scholar an ability to handle massive tank busters and I'm like wait a second this Which is disgustingly strong in the case of dark knights I can save that MP for more DPS instead of using it on the blackest night right and I can just do the most massive shield you've ever seen in your life on you so <laughs> um I'm excited I think as as like more time goes on we have more time to digest the the news especially with early release coming uh I already took I took the day off and I was like, be real, you're gonna take that Monday off to uh, just just it's gonna be really hard because if I get a job, um, I'm probably gonna be working over it. Um and just not sleeping. And if I don't get a job, I'm just gonna be there all day. Yeah. I do appreciate though they're not doing housing upgrades until six one. Right. Not I because agree. it's not done. But because they don't want to crash the server. <laughs> because everybody's showing up for Endwalker day one and then everybody trying to get a house. They're like, yeah, that would break our servers. Under the best conditions, that would break us. Oh so God, no, we're not going to do that. everything. All of this stuff is done. We're just not going to put it we're in. We're not going to do it. Yeah, we're going to have a more dedicated Final Fantasy 14 episode. But like this job data stuff just like just dropped. I just really needed to just talk to somebody yeah. about it because no, like, you know, just, i'm a scholar main he's a dark knight main people have been like really angsty about our classes like our specific classes for like ever and when the job stuff information released even more so so it's been really nice talking with people who are either one other scholars two like do like savage and ultimates um to like get 
a more realistic view of what's gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, it, it, it's more of the same. And I guess the comp- on the tank side, the complaint with Dark Knight is, but we didn't get a buff. We didn't need like what else are we gonna do? The only thing that possibly could have changed was Living Dead, but Living Dead is fine if you're talking to your healer, right? It's like a, if you're, it's a it's a great invuln. It's a terrible oh shit button. Yes. If you're, if you're using your invulns as oh shit buttons, it's terrible. If you're communicating and say, hey, I'm going to do living dead here, it's perfect. It's great. It's great. Uh, half the time it doesn't even proc. Well, that's the other thing. Well, that's if it's with me because I'm a scholar. So if, and I think a lot of, I don't want to say bad tanks, but a there is a school of thought in tanking that the invuln is the oh shit button. And I'm like, that's one way of looking at it. There's also the way of we can go through mechanics and focus more on DPS for this involve. And if that's what you're using it for, it's living dead hallowed ground. Because it's 13 seconds of I cannot die. Yeah. So I found out if I do Aether Pact on the Dark Knight and throw an XCOG, I literally can just ignore you through your involve. Yes. I can just ignore you. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do shit. Might yeah, have to throw a lustrate if that. I don't do shit. But that requires communication, and we have communication. We have. We got a. Uh, we got Kuroko's basketball. We got Kuroko and Kagami. You know, I am your shadow. You're the light. It works. Sure. I still haven't watched Kuroko's basketball. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so pure, and season three finally dropped on Netflix. It's just so pure. Yeah. It it's and whoever they got to dub akashi he sounds like anime chris paul i don't know if this was intentional or not now i'm gonna have to watch the now i'm gonna have to watch because i had already seen everything <laughs> yeah. i had already seen anything in uh, japanese so now i have to so now i have to watch it again now since you said anime chris paul which is, sa- i'm and, like okay you're chris paul like th- this is you're just chris all paul right now. so now we have to all right so fair enough now now i have to watch it um fair enough but uh, while, while we have RD here, we had this, this great discussion about style versus graphics versus art. I wanted to ask you, what makes good art design? Like what, there, there's different art styles and all different styles can be good. But what makes the art design itself good? Like what makes art stand out from a design standpoint? Well, as you've alluded to, like uh, art taste is subjective. You know, God, some people think some things are good. Some people think some things are bad. And there really isn't a right answer. There's no right way to do it. But the way that's most appealing would be considered the right way in terms of just like technical skill or maybe prowess. And I think what makes a design good, in my opinion, is style. Like style is everything. Because if you have a, you know, like some type, some type of a concept that you have, right? You take a concept, you're thinking about it all the way through uh, Inception, you know, from, oh, this guy's going to be cool, or this girl's going to be cool, or this character's going to be cool, this monster, what have you. They're going to be something that you want to invest some time in, right? And because of that, you're going to have a, you're going to have a really long look at them visually, like distinctively. And you have to think, oh, what would make them stand out? That's really the question because there's a lot of characters who have been, you know, born from similar origins and there's other characters who look just like this thing that I'm thinking up, you know, just out of nowhere. But how would I make it different? And it's not going to be so much 
what you put on the character, where the character's from, what their name is. It's going to be like how the character's rendered. Like the style is the most important thing. A lot of games come and go, who were, which were great games, but I'll never touch them again because I wasn't that interested in them visually. But a game with some good style is going to go a long way. And what makes it like good, quote unquote, what makes it stand out is the fact that it leaves an impression. Like it leaves an impression on your brain because there's a lot of things that we consume, especially in this like day and age with our media, where we can just put it in one ear and it comes out the other. You know, you don't remember half the shit you experienced or watched. Like me, I'm pretty bad with my own memory, but I can tell you that I've played things all the way through and I had a great time with them. But if you ask me to remember the specific detail, I can't because there's just nothing like hooking me. There's no distinction. And with art, you have, I wouldn't call it cheating, but I think you have a very distinct advantage when you can create something that people can look at with their own eyes and realize that, oh, this is something that I have never experienced before by simple measure of everyone being different. So if art is subjective, then the best you can do is create something that can appeal to multiple uh, perspectives. And the best way to do that is with style. Because if you're going straight off graphics, you know, or like a, uh, I want to call it house style, but like a, uh, a established norm, so to speak, in terms of like how realistic things should look or how they're portrayed, then you're not going to have the widest gamut of like opinions. And like, you're not going to have the widest gamut of perspectives to help you improve as an artist even. But if you start out with a style, the only thing you can do is improve that style. You know, and there's no right way to do that, except the way that you know is the right way to do it because it's unique to you, if that makes any sense. Because, uh, you know, you see it a lot of indie games, especially like in Undertale, for example, there is no other game on the market that looks like Undertale. If somebody shows you one thing from Undertale, you'll immediately go, that's from Undertale. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, what I mentioned earlier about the... um about the Far Cry slash Skyrims slash, you know, whatever's of the world, is that if you put two screenshots of the games next to each other, I would not be able to tell. And to me, like, personally, I would call that not bad art design, but art design that doesn't hit my sensibilities. The only reason that I would be able to tell Valhalla from Skyrim is because Valhalla has more color. Yeah, style. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Style. Also, also the people look like people. <laughs> I mean, it's what it is, you know? Just <laughs> style is what brings you to the table, and style is what's going to keep you there. Because there's a lot of stuff where you can just go, oh, this person spent a lot of time on this, but clearly they didn't have, like, as much input as they would have liked in terms of, like, the visual clarity for maybe the environment or the characters and so on and so forth. And then there's others where it's like this person had all the time in the world to do whatever the fuck they want and it came out looking so awesome. And we know a lot of games where that's happened. Like the aforementioned like No More Heroes 3. <laughs> like that has Suda 51 written all over it. Like I see that game, I know that's his style. I'm in there. Like we'll talk about a Jet Set Radio even. Or a Yakuza game even. Like you can see those types of games and you can tell that a particular team or a particular person was responsible for the art direction and you can tell it apart from anything else 
And I think if you're able to accomplish that, then you've really created something that was, you know, again, subjective, but quote unquote, good. You know, like it's something that you can sink your teeth into that you won't regret. So, yeah, I mean, art can go in a lot of directions, but if it's a direction that, you know, no other franchise or IP has really treaded, I think you got it made. Whenever I see someone who plays Skyrim a lot, I always feel like you're letting corporations know they don't have to try, stop playing. So that, that's that's actually what would maybe want to ask the question because narrative can carry you a long way, right? Gameplay can carry you a long way, but Skyrim and to an extent Fallout kind of just feel bland and empty. Like they're first, you can do first person like Fallout, by the way, just clarify the uh, first first two fallouts were solid and then yeah. they went and then they shifted perspective and oh shit but please yeah they were extremely different those first two <laughs> like you can i feel like you can do hyper realism without sacrificing style right like your exactly. style doesn't have to be hyper realistic yep. right like you you can have your you can have your character models look realistic but people don't look realistic if that makes sense like everybody has their own quirks everybody looks different we don't look like stock models we don't look like uh highly rendered computer images we look like humans we have flaws our faces are not symmetrical that's why miranda is so just jarring to look at in mass effect 2 because she is a perfect human and she is perfectly symmetrical in her face and it is really 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 off-putting that's by design but yeah I feel like you, you, you can do stuff like that. And just because you take creative choices with your design, like a King of Fighters, that doesn't instantly make it cartoony. Right. Right. Like you, you can you can do those kind of designs and not uh, and not fall into those tropes. Like one uh bacon start the tally. One thing I really enjoy about One Piece is no! the very character design. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm I'm here I'm here to help, Bacon. I'm here to help. <laughs> I don't think I've shared this in public, so this is going to be a world premiere for folks, but my favorite manga of all time is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, I, can feel, I can feel that. I can feel and that. And the reason why is because there is literally nothing like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yes. At all. Yes. Like, I've perused so much manga and anime throughout my entire time when it's Earth. There is literally nothing like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And you can feel when other manga try to copy that design style. Oh, you don't even have to stop them at manga. Video games. Well, Half the too. cast of Street Fighter is inspired by JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. JoJo's much older than people think it is. Mm-hmm. 86. It's a very old uh, property. 1986. 1986. Its art style is so distinct and powerful. It got me through one of the most racist runs of a t- of a program I've ever seen in my life. When they're Goku on their way to Egypt and like I don't know what seasons are. When they're on their when they're on their way to uh, Egypt, that is one of the most consistently racist runs of anything I've wait, ever wait. watched. Yeah, part three. When Jotaro and his dad are going and, to Egypt, then, when, when they're on Jotaro all, goes the first time. No, and Jotaro's going with his dad and as a as a starting five when they're going to egypt as yeah, a starting five good. and that's the most racist shit i've ever seen yes it, it is consistently racist yes, like is. every episode oh, is yeah. more racist than the last unflinchingly so yeah and the art style carried me all the way through to that i was while i was vibing and i was like man this is deeply problematic for like 15 okay. episodes 
Aaron, now here's the thing. Before part three, where that takes place, did you experience part two by chance? Yeah. Yeah. So remember Smokey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that was rough for me. <laughs> that was rough for me, buddy. <laughs> when I first got started, I was like, yo, they got the black character. Okay. So there's only two ways we can go from here. And that is up and to the left. Right? So I'm over here like, all right, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? And he made out okay. And I was like, okay, he made out okay. He made out okay. He made out okay. <laughs> and I'm wondering what they're setting me up for. They sure enough try to get me down to set me up for the latter third of that part where he's teaming up with a literal Nazi <laughs> with, a, with an actual chain gun coming out of his chest. Listen, <laughs> and I'm like, listen, okay, that's what they were saying. In, listen, in his defense, German science is the best science, but please continue. Oh, but, <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Here's, here's why I'm bringing up that point. Because it's a it's an intergenerational like series, you know. So you start with one member of the family, and you keep going through the bloodline, pretty much. And in that time frame, the characters, even the side characters, they evolve into different roles. Like that same Smokey, eventually becomes the mayor of New York City, and like you know, it's a complete it's a complete difference and then the characters and you can see um araki the uh the uh, author he eventually gets better at designing characters because originally for folks who don't know jojo was more or less a homage the first part to a fist in the north star which is why like jonathan looks the way he looks he looks just like kenshiro i actually knew that i don't know but... why i knew that but <laughs> i knew that <laughs> uh, yeah and like as he grew to do the series a lot more he branched out into his own style which is why you get the more like androgynous characters down the line because now he's uh well he's always been a a a fan of high fashion it helps with his designs from what i understand so you know he leaned into that a lot more and by leaning into that he also leaned into different cultures in particular and he got a little better at portraying them so what happened in part three aaron that doesn't happen much if at all in the later parts. Oh, I'm here. Because, I'll go on. Yeah, because he actually, you know, like, gets a lot more uh, more perspective, so to speak. And I think you have to with the way that whole series is set up where you're naming stands after music. You know, like, mm-hmm. you're getting more involved. Like, by the time part five rolls around, he has a Jodeci song. <laughs> I wanted to bring, I was waiting to bring that up. Like, that, that is my favorite part about Golden Wind. That freaking you is the end credits. And I'm talking about the end credits, you know, because in the book, and I always mention this about part five, uh, you probably can't read it. Like, it's very confusing. Like, the show actually clarified a lot about part five. But the point is that by the time part five rolls around, he's been exposed to so much American culture. Like, if we have weeaboos here, he has the American equivalent. I think the term was freeaboo even. And he has gotten to this point where he can design characters and they are all fairly respectful to the source material. Like, um, part seven is a long ways away, but Steel Ball Run is one of my favorite pieces of, like, literature ever. And it's because he actually applies a lot of the techniques that he's been working on the entire time. But, yeah, um, part five comes along. He's in the high fashion, and he creates a whole lot of characters who just don't follow the standards and traditions of other, like... Um, shonen um conventions right so 
yeah, it it becomes a complete uh one eighty. It turns the entire genre on its head, and it's one of those things that you can't shake. You know, like when you have a really good design going, like the whole universe of JoJo is designed fairly well, and that's because he was just such a fan of so many things, and he tried to fit it into one series. Like he's a fan of classical art, he's a fan of music. He's a fan of video games. He's a fan of comic books. Like he throws all of that into one series and it creates something that really can't be replicated. And going back to what we were talking about before, I think a lot of the reasons why a lot of styles fail and a lot of designs fail is because they don't have like that similar breadth of influence, you know? And I think when you get outside yourself a little more and you start like, not not really uh, indulging, but at least trying out some new things, experiencing some new things. Like there's a lot of things I don't like myself, but I always make a point to try to kind of, I guess, lean my way in just for once, just to see what it's about, see what the fuss is about, see what the hype is about and why people like things. And when you figure that out, you can incorporate that into so many things. That's why all the stuff that we love, every author is driven by their influences and the same with any, any artist. So yeah, we'll continue to keep doing that. And get great games out of it hopefully but you know it's a design thing i'm a design nerd so i'll keep talking about this shit forever but the fact of the matter is you know you don't get what we have today in this landscape of games manga or anything without good influence and like cultural diffusion so hey don't be racist that's the lesson here Huh, that actually makes sense. It's just like because I realize, like, um, it, I realize how much I see art that looks like it's made from nobody thinking about anything, and that when you sound like, oh, it, that's the thing that bugs you. Like that's the that's the thing that bugs. That's the thing that's very bland about, say, like the Ubisoft open world machine. It's thoughtless it, and soulless. Right, and there it's like, go. and I'm like, I guess. I don't know whether the artist isn't thinking about anything or they're not, or they're specifically telling people to not think about anything. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a really weird thing. Cause you know, we're not in the room when these things are being designed. Right. We can only just look at it as consumers. Right. And sometimes I'll be turned off the moment I look at the box art, you know, like I'll fucking um, uncharted. Like I got a friend who loves uncharted thinks Nathan Drake is the greatest thing ever. I look at Nathan Drake and I go, this guy is so generic. Please play another game. You know, like, I think it's what it is. Uncharted trying so hard to be an action movie misses one key thing about what makes action movies fun. What makes Fast and Furious fun is the action, the characters, the chemistry, and it just looks fun. What makes Indiana Jones fun is all the different environments look fun. They look interesting. Uncharted looks like, here's my AAA game. Give me a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it really lean do, into though. the medium, man. Don't run away from it. It really like, do. Like, The Last of Us <laughs> looks like, you like The Walking Dead. Give me money. Oh, yeah. my God. That's why lean I don't into like it. that game. And all the way in. The Walking Dead Telltale games look great to me because they lean into the comic book aesthetic. They go all in, cell shading. The characters look like they're moving comic book panels. They have a direction with their art, and it works. Give it up one time for the homie Lee Everett. Rest in peace. 
Rest in peace to the rip, dog. Rip, rip, rip. Leo. Okay, y'all are familiar with RDC World, right? The, the little niggas on YouTube that yeah. make the funniest. All right, they did a playthrough of Walking Dead Blind. Wasn't spoiled for them. They were cracking jokes the whole time. Everything was funny. They laughed when uh, you had to kill Duck's kid. They're like, yeah, fuck Kenny. They got to that part with Lee, and they're like, wait, we can't save Lee? We got to kill Lee? You want to see a grown man cry? Yeah. Broke my heart, bro. That was, that was... And, like, the game tells you that it, you're going to have to kill Lee. From the first chapter, it's telling you you're, this game is about saying goodbye. The game presents you its central thesis in the first end of the first episode. This game is about saying goodbye, and then you have to say goodbye to Lee. That that's just masterful storytelling. And then they followed up in part two with this game is about family, and this game is about family dynamics. They brought back Kenny. Everybody feels a different way about Kenny, but because the first family you meet in two is so terrible. You are so desperate to cling to anything familiar, and then you remember, oh, right, Kenny's a toxic asshole. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then as you keep going through season two, you're like, oh, no. If this, is my, if this is my surrogate family, Kenny's the abusive stepfather. Yes. And so many, I feel like so many people miss the point where the ending where you go with Kenny, like, that's the good ending. I'm like, no, it's not. No. <laughs> that's not the good ending. No. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that. Yes, I did not go with Kenny. He was uh, he's problematic. No, he, yeah, Jane isn't any better, but Kenny is literally abusive. Right. Even when you go with Kenny, he abandons you once you get there. I remember, he was beefing with Lee in the first game. Mm-hmm. Oh, and no. it's like they expected you to forget that. <laughs> And again, I think I think that's why they made the first family in season two so unlikable, so that when you see Kenny, regardless of how you felt about him in season one, you're like, oh my God, someone that reminds me of Lee. Yep. And then he's like, oh, right, you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. Right, you are the guy we did it like. Come on, you're urban. You can pick the lock. I didn't forget that. That was the moment. Can I say my favorite euphemism for black, by the way? Urban. Yes. You're urban. I love it. Because they don't say rural for white people, right? No. Uh, no should, we, should we make that a thing? Is, is that coming? I mean, um, I mean, we have, I mean. <laughs> we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Country blacks prevent that. I mean, I, I, I use the term empathy, empathy deficient, and people know what I mean. <laughs> oh, man, I've never Jesus heard that. <laughs> What I've I, I've you know I've said you know as an empathy person empathy empathy de- deficient person you know what I'm saying and the brown people know what I'm talking about they know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> and every, brown, every brown every color person knows what I'm talking about Asian people know what I'm talking about when I say it so it's you know that's a, that's you know I'm not saying it's gonna get popular because you know you're gonna get fired off the set of Captain America six or whatever if you start doing that but it's effective. Um, also, also, you guys are talking about Uncharted, and I remember, and I always like to point out the best Uncharted game was the last one where you played as an Indian lady and her black pearl officer trying to um, steal gold. <laughs> and the, <laughs> that was the best Uncharted game. That was the best <laughs> Uncharted game where a mercenary was supposed to bring in Chloe, the thief, and she's like, "Listen, I got treasure. Let me come with you. I'll go with you, but we'll break. We'll split it. Just let me find the treasure. You can have some of it. And this mercenary is like, mm-hmm. 
keep talking, but the whole time she's got the gun at your back. That dynamic is fucking superb. That game is great. No one played it because we're racist and terrible. <laughs> That's far and away the best Uncharted game. Those two are fucking hilarious together. The, 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 the gold of, of the thief and her parole officer go to try and steal a million dollars. That's just the great elevator pitch. Yes. Okay. Okay. For a movie, that is the Rihanna Lupita Nyong'o movie that everybody thinks they want. That dynamic you just said right there. Yes. Um, I would even say I do want that movie. Yes. Um, Lupita Queen Latifah also, but that's neither here nor there. No. So okay, you want people that can actually act? Then it w- the answer is Lupita Viola Davis. If you want people, that oh can yeah, I, you oh, know what? I never, yeah. I never cast Viola Davis. Even in my head, I can't afford her. <laughs> Even then, in my head, Latifah is who they're robbing. Right. That's a, right. That's you know, what I mean. No, no, no. Rihanna can act when ab- in in very specific situations, but you basically have to craft a role for Rihanna. Oh yeah, just let her be Rihanna the jewel thief, the system player. Yeah, yeah Rihanna, Rihanna, the the... Rihanna the jewel thief is fine. No one would argue with that. Right. He was fine in Ocean's Eight. Right. Actually. Yeah, no, she was. I loved her in Ocean's Eight. Right, she's she's interesting. It's no problem with that. Absolutely, you just get, just got to get her the ball in her spots. No problem. With I that. definitely love that movie. By the way, that movie is not as bad as people thought. Said it was. People thought it was bad. It's an Ocean's movie. No, how can you hate an Ocean's? It's a well, Ocean's Twelve so, is weird, but so first it's, it's off, people sexism. don't understand that heist movies are bad. They're not good. They don't make sense. They're, but that's but you're not, not their here point. for a good movie. You're here for no, a no, good time. No, listen, listen. This is this is up here when people say action movies are bad. I'm like, you're missing the point of the movie. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're missing the point. <laughs> Ocean Eight. Ocean Eight was delightful. I love Ocean. You know, watching it, it, those white women scam each other was great. Yo, <laughs> it was amazing. It was a scam off. I loved it. It was a scam off. They were scamming each other, and then they looked at each other and went, "We were scamming each other. Let's work together for a bigger scam." And I'm like, "Wait." I'm and like, then this they scam some more. Work. This is a white woman dynamic. Amazing. I think that's also why I like Burn Notice so much because at its core, it's just a group of friends scamming everybody. Yes, yes, that is also why I like Burn Notice. It is peak white people scamming each other. Listen, I feel like I don't have the capacity for it anymore. Because I experienced Mr. Robot, and oh it was my god. like, oh god. you know, Mr. Robot is my favorite show on television, oh but I will say, I think that show changed how I perceive certain movies. Like, you know, you have the hacker movie or like the heist film or something like that, right? Where the whole film's premise is these people are going to steal from these people, right? You don't really get to live in the aftermath of these plans. And I think Mr. Robot really showed me the aftermath of these plans. Yo. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, bruh, if everything was like this, where they would try to steal and it both goes wrong and right, where I could see both sides of that coin, I'm all the way in. But, you know, if it's a film, you only have so much time. So that's what it is. Listen, Narratively, all I know, I... Sam Raimi's character. Every time I look at his face, like I just feel empathy and I, understanding for those dark circles under his eyes. Yes, <laughs> I'm like, I get it. Like you no. said, Sam Raimi. I was like, wait. I don't know why I said Sam Raimi. I it is the old black people thing. We <laughs> all. Yeah, I knew we all. I knew exactly who no, you were no, talking no, about. I, so I actually My brain did, was on Sam I, Raimi for a second. I actually did the opposite thing because. 
he's Raimi, and his his twin brother is Sammy. Yeah. So. Oh wow. That's, yeah. That's what happened, oh. and then it became. That'll get you. Yeah, that's... he deserved a, a much better his... move, a much better Freddie Mercury movie than the one he was cast in. Uh, his his brother is also very hot, and it is a problem. <laughs> uh, one thing narratively that I love about Mr. Robot, they take the unreliable narrator trope, shove it in your face in the first episode, then you forget about it until the twist. And you're like, oh shit, I can't believe anything that I'm seeing right now because I'm seeing everything through your eyes and you showed me in the first episode I can't trust what you're seeing and I forgot. And there was an entire season that was counting on you to forget. Yep. And they and did it, it so well. And it's like, even when you rewatch it, you know the twist is coming. But you can't. It's, just, it, it's great storytelling. I, was I, I am a sucker for good storytelling. I was definitely having that moment a lot of times during the season going, isn't this nigga schizophrenic? Yo, it's like, can I trust <laughs> Can I trust what I'm seeing right now? I'm like, but, I, was, I was definitely, there's a lot of squinting happening. I was like, wait. It's hard to tell a story where you're actively lying to your audience and have them not turn on you in the middle of it. And that's more to the credit of Mr. Robot. Exactly. Like, it's following the same principles as we were talking about earlier with games. Like, if something is distinctive, just even visually, you have something going here. And I think Mr. Robot's thing was, like, the camera was, like, yes. one of the characters in that show, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, They no, were taking shots that I had never experienced in a show. No, it, it was. It was that was actually intentional. I think there's like an interview where they Yeah, yeah, there is. There yeah, is like you yeah. So and slight slight spoiler for season one of Mr. Robot, but you're one of the people in his head. Yes. Yeah. And when he turns around on that train and says, What do you think? It's like, oh, you're not talking to the audience. You're talking to the oh my god. Like <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like Brilliant. the same thing in like, you know, in music, even even yeah um cinematography like you can play around with stuff like that like when a character's speaking in mr robot like a lot of the shots you notice the character is like off center yes like they're not even in focus nine times out of ten like you constantly looking at the background while they talk because the camera's focusing on the background sometimes it's there to throw you off other times it's there to give you a detail but it's doing that in a way that's going to like provoke some thought and one of my other favorite shows does the same thing, um, Twin Peaks. And, like, Twin Peaks, I'll be the first to say it, doesn't age well in the best way. But at the same time, it is something that was groundbreaking, and people still remember it for that reason. It's okay to just turn shit on its head sometimes. So you're, you're talking about in music, too. There's two, yeah, yeah. There's two modern artists that sort of play with their music in subtle ways that I really like. Anderson Pock, when he's actually being experimental and not letting other people produce for him, it's like it—it it is some of the most subversive shit I've ever heard. Like I know everyone, I, everyone loves his collaboration with No Worries, and I don't know how people feel about his Dr. Dre collaboration. I hate that album. I'm like, this sounds like a Dre album. I'm not here for Dre. I'm here for Anderson. Like put Anderson back on drums, put Anderson back on guitar. What what do you? Anyway, this, this is why I enjoyed MF Doom. Yo, like, I love MF Doom. When I was younger, um, Operation Doomsday was one of the first albums I ever bought, and it influenced a lot of my own style. Like I composed, like on occasion. So, um, 
what I wanted to do was just try something that people weren't doing. And I think Doom did that in a way that anybody could really digest because he was taking influences from so many things that he enjoyed. Again, influences like cartoons, like other um, forms of hip hop, even like other genres where you would think he probably wasn't listening to, but he listened to all of it. And the result was he had such a unique sound that if someone were to play any of his music, you would know it was his. And it's just a testament to how much influence matters. You know what makes me angry about that, though? Do you know how many motherfuckers sample MF Doom? And then I'm listening, expecting an MF Doom song, and then it's crap? Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, why? Just, just. This isn't uh, what I wanted, and then I have to go and listen to a bunch of MF Doom to like. There's influence and there's stealing. Yes, <laughs> cleanse my brain. I think it's a testament to Doom. Oh no, it is. Yeah, he's all the different producers he's worked with, like Mad Lib, Danger Mouse, they all have their own distinct sound. I do love, Mad but Lib. paired with him, they don't like. Danger Doom doesn't sound like a Danger Mouse project. It sounds like a Doom project. Right. Like it's, Mad Lib, it's his collab. Yeah. Like Mad Lib Freddie Gibbs, it sounds like Mad Lib. Mad Lib Doom, it sounds like Doom. See, so Doom is the uh M. Bison of rap production. Yes. Anything he's in, it has to warp around him. Yes. Oh, that 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 Street Fighter movie still has the coldest villain line ever. The day M. Bison graced your village was the most impactful moment of your life but for me it was tuesday bars god damn (laughs) bars bro like ain't nothing been harder since really they tried to capture it with in with um and and walker with fancy on them with uh i don't even know who you are but it was like nah i can't often imitated never duplicated man yeah, I saw that movie in theaters when I was a kid. Don't ask me how, but listen, <laughs> I remember that line was hard even back then. I was like, yo, yo, this is tough. This is tough. And my man was dying on set too, and he came up with that. Yes. Legend. The oh, to Raul Julia. Slight, cl- slightly close to that. Uh, Batman Beyond, when he's fighting Blight. And he's like, oh, you want to know who I am? You killed my father. And Blight's like, do you have any idea any how idea? little my- <laughs> that narrows it down to? <laughs> yeah. God-like line. Oh, man. That's villains, right? Batman Beyond was like unappreciated and too good for its time. Yo, yeah. my favorite Batman Beyond moment. It isn't the movie, which is phenomenal. It's when he first meets Ted. And Bruce is like, oh, I've been down this road before. By the Amen. way, I appreciate how the movie rewrote Killing Joke. The movie yes. made Killing Return Joke. Of the Joker better. is honestly one of the best movies ever. That no 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 cap. Just is legitimately one of the best movies ever. Also, I, I love the fact that the edits are more horrifying than the uncut version. Yes. Like in the uncut version, Tim just shoots Joker in the chest, and that's that. In the edited version, Joker gets electrified to death, and Mark Hamill gives his most blood-curling death screech ever. Yes. And I was like, "This is the this is the edited version, <laughs> right?" I'm like, "What? Wait, I how mean, is electrocuting better?" 
I'm always impressed by the fact that film exists too, because Yo! this is like post Mask of the Phantasm. Yes, you oh, know what right, I mean. Like is. this is this is something that you had to follow up a hit movie with. Yeah, and they succeeded. No, not just follow up a hit movie, follow up a beloved. Because people were still like, "Yo, Batman Beyond." It's not the animated series though, and they're like, "Bat, you're right. Watch me work." But I felt my, like it was so much better. My favorite Batman Beyond moment is when he meets Ten, and Bruce is like, "Oh, she's trouble." Hey, Terry, you don't want these problems. Whatever, old man. She's cool. She's good. Whatever. And then he gets played, and he's like, "All right, Bruce, you were right. So has this ever <laughs> happened to you?" Bruce just smiles at him like, "Hey, man, let me tell you about this girl named Selena Kyle." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that perfectly captures like not just that dynamic, but any uncle that has looked at their nephew like, "Oh, I've been down this road, nephew." Listen to video games. Smart. I have to say though, like Terry also <laughs> is much better at relationships. Period, which is why I like the the difference between him and old school Batman and also like the fact that like Terry is like Terry's like specifically not Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne's like he will be me and Terry's like no. Hey, right. Do you notice the common thread here? The reason why you enjoy these moments is because characters are allowed to age. Yes. Yes. Like, that is such an important thing that I wish more properties would allow. Let characters get old so they can reflect on experiences and we wouldn't hate new characters so much if you actually lean them in naturally by letting the previous generation age let them age let them gracefully age with your audience because then that adds a whole new perspective right maybe you wouldn't be so pissed about a powerpuff girls remake if you just let characters age i'm just saying it's a little bit right now they're angry at new superman and him being bi so yeah uh, that all that all that lets me know is they haven't been reading Superman comics. Yeah, because John <laughs> Kent saying I'm by, I'm like, okay, nigga, we knew this. Like, <laughs> this is not news. <laughs> I have eyes. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, just I, I'm I'm glad comics are kind of doing these things, especially because again, if you're reading comics right now, chances are you were reading comics then too. So all you can really do is get new fans. Yeah. If you're going to get new fans, there's no better way to do it than take an established character and lean into the thing that everybody saw already. Yeah. And just make it more modern. That's it. It's not a complicated formula. I think that's why I love Tom King's Batman run so much. Because he takes everything that people love about Batman and says, this is why this is actually toxic and self-destructive. And this hey. is what it would do to an actual human being. Modern writers getting it done. Uh, yeah. Shouts to Vita. But, you know, it's like there are so many characters in comics because we've just been exposed to them our entire lives that they're in almost a stasis, you know, kind of like this plateau where you can't really do much more with them because they've just been around for so long. And I think that is just something a lot of franchises should really take into consideration. Like, um, recently Street Fighter Six revealed the final character, or Street Fighter Five revealed their final character. This guy named Luke. He was very, very underwhelming, and I think the reason why is because when he showed up, everyone was like, "Oh, it's just another white dude punching shit, blonde hair, blue eyes." Half the cast of Street Fighter was blonde hair, blue eyes. Why? Because they were leaning on characters who hadn't aged in forever. And when these characters were designed, there wasn't really 
any like I would say any like oversight as to hey maybe this character is a little too much like this other character and they just assume that all Americans were blonde and blue-eyed <laughs> and it's like maybe they wouldn't be if you let them age I'm just saying <laughs> like Tekken does this very well I want to give them shout outs I want to give them props they let their characters age and you get new stuff out of it Bro, but Tekken, in Tekken, any other property, dude, let him age. Tekken be killing He's me with that. Tekken, Tekken be sitting there marching out a character and be like, how old is this nigga? 72. Word? <laughs> what? Word. Actually, and what it, I like about they, they Streets of Rage 4. Yes. Yeah, Streets of Rage 4. Yes. Prime example. Fucking Axel, look at that nigga with his beard. He, right. got, his, he got a COVID beard and everything. He He's home. got like... He's, Adam is a whole fucking black dad. He has a baby who is grown. Right. They got laugh lines baby. and everything. Um, Beautiful. We're gonna have to. We're gonna call it here. We, yeah, we have to it's because long... it's been. It's been like there's like things where we went been... like this is a juicy, this is a this is a, a juicy fillet of an episode that exceeded my wildest expectations. <laughs> Babe, I'm like so hype about it. It went off like a bazillion directions, and the directions were great. So thank you, uh, RD and Justin for being here, and Aaron for your future editing and recording and all the stuff that you do um yes uh rd how do people find you if they want to find you as they inevitably will hearing this program well you can catch me tweeting about anika anita baker songs at uh dina volta on twitter you can catch me at allpalette.games where i am currently working on a tabletop uh, card game by the name of target rich and it is a uh two versus two card game you know get a friend fight some other friends have some fun you can find that out, out more of that at um allpalette.games backslash target rich. And you know, I'm on I'm on everything. You know, you find me on uh the Discords, the uh Twitches and all that stuff. He's literally Dyna Volta on everything. Brandon, baby, but you know, that's how it works. So yeah, if you guys want to follow me, just check me out. All right. Um uh, I would ask. If anyone had anything to add, but we literally have no more space. The train's pulling out of the station, so we got to run for it. Bye. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, see you next week. Who's in the limo?